Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I like cars, I like watches, but I don't think I'm a real twat, and some people might. I flaunt it because I like it. What's the point in having a nice watch and then not wearing it? Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Pleasure to have you. Thank you very Great much. So let's start off with a, a pretty hard one. Um, Google says your net worth is $100 million. How accurate is that? Um, it, it also says, if you look somewhere else, that it's £75,000. Wow. And my watch is worth more than that. <laughs> um, Google knows jack shit about my net worth. That's um, the way you want it, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I remember asking Robin Sharma this, and he was like, that's a disgracefully rude question. And I actually don't think it's a rude question. I think it's a really good question. And I like talking about money. But I have been sworn to secrecy by my wife, my business partner, my accountant to never reveal my net worth, which we can talk about as much as you like. But that seems like a shit answer. So I can tell you I'm worth a lot more than 10 million. But I do have 340 properties that I co-own with my business partner. Um, I have seven cars. We have a shared interest in watches, don't we? 100%. Um, And I have the UK's largest training business. So I'll let people do their own guess, but it's, it's, it was 10 a long time ago. I stopped counting at 10 many years ago. What, what are the negative implications? Maybe taxes as part of it. Is there anything else, any well, other reasons yeah. why you wouldn't want let, to say? Let's say you're worth 100 million yeah. and you wanted to be smart and get your tax bill down. And let's say you'd got 30 million off your tax bill. And then you went around blurting that you're worth 200 mil. Maybe HMRC would be like, and you don't oh yeah no you, you don't want that shit and you know when you're 21 you haven't made that money you can say whatever you want but y- yeah like um my accountant's really smart and he saves us a lot of money in tax and he said he even says to me he says like well, you know we've, you know it's all legitimate of course otherwise i wouldn't even talk about it um but he says the story's got to look straight um, you know, I buy a lot of watches and art and things. I bought a, a Tom York piece. I don't know if you like Radiohead, but I, I bought a Tom York piece today. And I buy a lot of um, assets in my company. So I got all this stuff, but I haven't drawn any money out. I was talking to your dad about that and like the, ta- the, the crazy taxes. So tax is one of them. Um, I've been stalked. I've been, my, we had, we had my cars tracked a few weeks ago. We just found randomly. What, I, this, did they put air tags in there or? Well, this is random as hell, right? I was driving and I, I don't like killing anything on the road. So I was slow down in for fuck pigeons, which are annoying. And this pigeon, <laughs> I just like, this pigeon is going down. It wasn't moving. It was looking at me and I hit it straight on dead. And then I got back and I just thought I better check the car. Cause it was that, that new one. Mm. I just got out there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a fucking black tracker hanging off the bottom of it. And it had R on it. Right. for Rob and then I just got my wife and Aston Martin and I said we better have a look under that there's a black box and it has G on it for Gem well it had J because they don't have to spell Gemma in Peterborough it's, it's, it's <laughs> my wife with a G and these, my cars are being tracked so what do you, you make of that well, you can't wear that in London no. it's like bye I, I don't, I, I don't when even I go, wear this in London I, I, yeah. I go to London with this on and I put it in my pocket when I go out and walk and I put on a one of those swatches that you know that I bought you guys. Mm, yeah. And I the, put the that on out there. Moon swatches. Yeah. yeah. And this goes in my pocket. Yeah. So actually, a moon swatch is better in London than a Richard Mille. It's just, it's just look. So for the viewers that don't know, how much is that watch that you're wearing right now? This would be a, a scoop. I don't know. Two hundred and fifty-five thousand. It's crazy. That's a lot of money on a watch. What, what do you yeah. make of these stalkers, though? Like, what what do you think about that? That's just mental. Yeah. Well, um, one of them I can't talk about. <laughs> She was female <laughs> and right. it didn't end well. <laughs> Maybe in a few years time. 
Um, most people are cool. Most people are fans and, and they come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this is one, you know, I, I like coming on shows like this and talking about how, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I don't, I, I like cars, I like watches, but I don't really think I'm a real twat. And some people might. I've, I flaunt it because I like it. What's the point in having a nice watch and then not wearing it? What's the point in having a childhood dream Ferrari Testarossa and then when you've got money to buy it, not yeah. buying it and leaving it all in your company because you don't want to draw out the tax? But then, of course, when you do, you tr attract a load of attention, as you know, because you've got big channels and you, you know what it brings. And the, the way I see it is I'm not crying about it. I, I love my life. I like the fact that I can have these nice things. And it's the price of being wealthy. But waking up and, you know, like talking about people stalking you is one thing, but waking up and having a tracker on your car, like that's another yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, my wife didn't like that. And we um, are in the process. Well, I say in the process, we pretty much have really upgraded our security in mm. our house. Um, it was really good a few years ago, but these things develop. Um, yeah. Do you I have kids? Yeah, I have two kids, nine and 12. So knowing that their safety or your family's safety in general is maybe impacted. When you find things like, oh, people have been stalking my car for however, you know, how long. Is there any part of you that thinks, am I doing the right thing by being a public figure and, and almost letting people know we are wealthy. We, we have something that you might want. Well, if people like you stop asking me my net worth, <laughs> I won't have to worry about it. I'm worth 25 pence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no regrets. You've got to be yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Um, hopefully it won't end badly. Um, you know, I know James Khan. He mentored me from Dragon's Den and, and his family got kidnapped. You know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a billionaire and they have it a lot worse. Yeah, so this is actually going to be one of my questions. I'll bring it up now. Would you ever want to be a billionaire? Because we were with um, Iman Gadji and we asked this exact question. He said, well, you probably will inevitably become a billionaire because that's the way things are going. But, you know, once you get to that level of wealth, you get controlled by the puppet masters a bit more and they're more careful about what you say because what you say has a bigger impact. Yeah. I don't know. I've not got there. I don't know Iman's net worth. Um, I think it's... Maybe a bit cocky to say, yeah, I'll be a billionaire, you know, in the end, you know, um, because it's quite a rare thing. Mm. I don't have a goal to be a billionaire. Maybe in my 20s I did when I was a bit more cocky. Uh, like, I, I've got a good net worth. I've got a great life. But, but, but like, you could probably, you see, 10 million's enough. I know this because I've gone past it. And actually, the smart thing to do is to stop at about 20, 10, 20. Why is that the smart thing to do then? Because you're big enough to have a great life and not too big to go on the radar. Mm. But how do you stop? Like if, if, if you're at 20 mil and then there's 50 and 100, are you going to stop? No, because the train's already going, isn't yeah. it? You'd have to stop that. But, but, no, but you, you, could, you could slow it down. But to be the type of person that can get to that mm. stage, you're you probably more. the type you of person more. that does always want more. You, want you more. wouldn't have got to 10. Exactly. So... Um, so to be a billionaire you have to help 100 million people you know you have to have something that a lot of people want and need and you have to be useful and valuable and i think there's probably some upsides and many downsides of being a billionaire there's some upsides and many downsides of being broke i've been broke and i've, uh, and I've been wealthy so i know both both sides of it like i i don't think i don't think i can stop i don't think you guys could stop what would happen in regards to your health, mental health, if you stopped everything tomorrow? I'd go fucking mad. <laughs> Nuts. 
like what what would I do with my life? Yeah, yeah. yeah I you wouldn't have a purpose. No. Yeah. And so it's, it's not an option. It's interesting no. to say that to become um, a billionaire, you have to help all those people. That's the way that I always have seen it, and I guess you guys have as well. But there's this whole eat the rich crowd on TikTok, and you know, people hating on rich people. What do you think about that? Because it does I seem think, to be something that's growing now. Yeah, I, I think they don't understand how money works. And I don't know if they've ever met most rich people because it depends. Let's define rich. Um, apparently, 75 grand a year makes you happy, according to studies, which I think is utter nonsense. Um, there are some people, and I know many people like this. I actually really respect this. There's a part of me that like to be like this. I just can't. But someone who's worth two million and drives a you know a nice German saloon car and is not ostentatious at all, just lives a nice humble life and they spend much less than they earn. I really respect that sort of low level millionaire. It's just, I like things too much. I like travel, I like cars, I like watches, I like but growing things. So I just can't be that. Um, so you've got the, you know, the low level millionaires and then you've got the, 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 the big rich and then you've got the super rich. Mm. Now, um, someone interviewed me earlier and they said, well, you know, the rich don't trickle the money down to the poor. I said, yes, they do. It's called tax hmm. because that's what the tax system is supposed to do. So the rich are pumping billions into our economy. Oh, but they don't spend it wisely. If you, if you, if a billionaire came, you know, to your, um, is this village, city, town? Uh, yes, it's a town. Yeah. But yeah, we're near Canterbury City, okay. but this is so a town, yeah. Billi there's a billionaire expo in Canterbury. How much money is coming to Canterbury that weekend? I mean, I'm there, you're there. So they, they bring all this economy and finance, like if you have a lot of tourism. And, you know, e even if they're paying less percentage of tax, they're still paying way more money in tax. So I, I think, here's what I think. Don't knock anyone, especially on TikTok, for fuck's sake. Get a life. Don't <laughs> well, some, some of the comments on TikTok. It's, yeah. it's just crazy. Like we, we've got one where it's like, oh, these lads just wanted to start a podcast. Should we start one? Yeah. You know, they, they just don't really look no. at the full picture of things, do no, they? No, they don't. So narrow-minded. It was like I, I quoted something that people think that I learned from a movie, <laughs> yeah. which is probably true. But it's like, even if I did learn that from a movie, so what? Like yeah. consume the knowledge and learn from it in everything you watch and don't just sit there being a consumer. Yeah. Like what's wrong with that? Well, this, this is it. You understand the difference between a producer and a consumer. Yeah, and most course. people who are in the comments are consumers. I, I just think a good way to live your life is to not judge until you've tried it. So mm. I've been broke and I've been rich. And people say money doesn't make you happy. Fucking does. Because <laughs> I'm a much happier rich person with what I can do. And if that makes me sound like a twat to a few people on TikTok, I'll bring it on. I don't care because I, I like people. Oh, Rob, you obsess about money. Nowhere near as much as I did when I was broke and I couldn't afford anything. And I have to think about money all the time. You know, once you've got enough. Now, some people are like, okay, I just want enough money to live a, a good, humble life. Great. And I really respect that. In a way, I'd like to be that. It would be easy. I won't get my cars tracked. But it's just not me. Would you agree that it's like it's a different kind of stress now? Like when you're broke and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, that's just a completely different yeah, kind of Yeah, I like this stress better yeah. than that stress. Yeah, Because I've tried both the stresses. Mm -hmm. I like this stress better. You know, I've, you, the thing is as well, right? It's naive to think you can have all the upside with none of the downside. You can't have all the money and 
none of the jealousy and the envy and, you know, the possible criminality and stuff. It's just not the way the world works. So, yeah, whatever stresses this life brings, as long as it doesn't get in really badly, of course, I'd hate if something happened to my family or something. But that aside, I'll take this stress any day. Do you earn money to spend it now or is it more just a measuring stick, you know, to, to see how well you're doing in the world of business against other business people? Um, or is it more because you want that next thing or do you have everything that you want? Yeah, I don't really measure myself against anyone else anymore. Like if I had peers in business, I wouldn't care if they're worth less or more than me net worth wise. Mm. Um, yeah, most people either don't want you to know their net worth, which was me, or they exaggerate their net worth. I had one someone say, some, someone once, you know him, I won't say his name, but he said, I like to think my net worth is 25 million. Well, then it's not. <laughs> yeah. if you like to think it is I like to think I have 12 inch penis <laughs> but I don't <laughs> so like people it's just yeah. what you know it's just not, sorry what was the question <laughs> do you make money to spend or, or is oh, it yeah, to yeah, measure I, yourself I, against other business people I, I don't measure myself against other mm. business people anymore I probably did when I started mm. I, I now like to measure myself against where, are, where do I want to go in my life so for example um I've had 17 years of doing loads of stuff. And actually, I've got this goal that by the age of 50, maybe I'll be one of the most specialized people in the world around money. So I've just written one money book called Money Matrix. I've nearly finished another one called Money Loves You. And that's what, you know, think, think of all the money experts in the world. Well, you've got Martin Lewis in the UK. You maybe got Kiyosaki. But you can't think of more than five. You can think of plenty of real estate people. You can think of plenty of personal development people. So that's a worthy goal because I could make a big difference on the planet. Doesn't really matter what net worth my peers are. I love buying shit. I can't help it. It's like- I, saw, I fuck with that so heavy, uh, I really do. Yeah, I, you've been trying to get dad to spend more money. And I think since we've been friends as well, you got me to spend more it money. It does my head in. I mean, I, I just, I can't stand to see it when rich people don't spend money. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, like I've been really broke and you just see the things that other people have. And it's like, it's my drive. Like, obviously I care about purpose and what I do is important to me. And, and you know, what we do together is important, but ultimately, you know, I want to make money. And yeah. if it wasn't making money, then I wouldn't do it. Well, you know, what I've learned as I've got a bit older, I'm 44, is I just used to buy any old shit and waste my money. Now I, I choose the things I like. I love watches, mm -hmm. love McQueen, love Louboutin, you know, love certain artists, love certain cars. I just go deep on those, really deep on those. I saw Kevin Leary, this was brilliant. He said, you know, watches is a disease. It's a disease I've got. Being a watch collector is a curse. It's a disease. I mean, the only reason I work is to buy watches and then I'd show my wife and she hates it. And I can relate to that shit. I've got so many cars that I don't need. I haven't got a garage big enough for the cars. I can't stop buying cars. Does it still fulfill you though? Once you've got, you've, you've got your five top favorite cars, does number six, seven, eight no, matter to you as much? It matters doesn't matter as much. It doesn't fulfill me. I'm not buying cars to fulfill me. I've got a wife for that. I mean, I own a 1987 Ferrari Testarossa. Apparently they're worth more than 200 grand now. I paid a lot less than that. And that was what I put on my wall when I was a kid, when I used to work in my dad's pub, putting bottles on the shelves. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I just bought a 1989 Bad Boys 911 Turbo. Like the thing is sex on four wheels. <laughs> Careful. This <laughs> thing is a thing of beauty. I just bought my wife an Aston Martin DBS. And she's like, she's, she never would have bought anything like that for herself. And, and so what are you going to spend your money on? I also invest a lot. As, well, it's as, kind as of an know. investment as well. Um, like you said, your uh, Ferrari well, I, went up. Yeah, and I use income from companies and assets to buy depreciating liabilities. 
I don't buy tax. I don't buy um, depreciating liabilities with tax paid money. Mm. So that'll go up, and that'll go up, and um, I, I figured out what. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, yeah, let, let's, let, let's, let's do take it a pause early. here, right? We were going to leave this to the end, but we've been trying to convince Tom to buy a watch. Oh, for this is so my favourite subject, now. Tom. I'm all ears. Go on, you, convince you, him. A, 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 a great, a, a great watch is a door opener. Yeah. And depending on the kind of watch you wear will attract the kind of person you want to attract. So if you want to attract someone who, you know, maybe they're just getting into watches and they're getting into a bit of money, you know, you might go for an entry level Rolex. If you go for a sports model, you know, Daytona, GMT. Would you say this is an entry level? I'd say that's just a bit above. You don't so, get that in the window normally. Yeah, this was my entry level. I didn't want to go. Oh, no, but that's lower. a good entry level yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's, you know, it's not just a plain date just or anything like that. That's the, that's the Batman GMT, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, would you say that's like an, an entry level investment rather than watch? Like well, would any other watch lower in price go up in value? Possibly, yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping these swatches will go up. I've got every single yeah. one and I'm hoping they'll go up. Mm. And some of them are only two, 300 quid. Yeah. But um, I mean, depending on what you got that against list price, um, Rolex at the moment, I mean, they've, they've dropped, but they're still really high. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you buy, if you, the, the, one, the one entry level watch you want, if you can wait, is the Daytona. That's the one. Because, okay. you know, it's just, a, it's like the sports model, but it's the, it's the, the best sports model. And how much is a Daytona going for at the moment? Oh, you could get a 1990s one for probably 16, 17 grand. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I, had, I had plenty of them. I, I buy them and just stick them away. Um, and I sold, I sold out at 25 and I bought back in at 17. And I've bought and sold in on Daytona since. My 79 one, which is my birth year, it went up to 85 grand. So you're probably, and that's not the, the new one, you're more like 25. Obviously, when this people listen to this mm. it might have changed um you're a bit less on a, a gmt yeah which, which is that and i like the gmts with some color in you know because the, the sprite or the batman or the pepsi just jumps out at you a bit more than say your dad's one who's got looks like is it a it's sub, a sub mariner, yeah. Yeah, sub. yeah um it depends on your budget but if you start with a sports rolex which is sub sea dweller which are the tr conventional ones gmt that's a great start um and you're gonna you're gonna open some doors and you know and then you move up to daytona mm. and then you go up to royal oak and then like because most people who have a rolex not all but most a lot of people who have a rolex they got given it as a birthday present or whatever but if you want a royal oak ap which is what curtis got on there you've you've kind of now you're taking more serious yeah 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 um we've spoken to a few people and they've got different perceptions on this but let's say someone's gonna spend 10, 15, 20K on a watch. How much money should that person have cash in the bank to justify, do you know what, it's time to buy a watch? Um, well, I, I don't see any reason why if you've got 20 to 25 grand in the bank yeah. that you couldn't put 10 of that into a watch. I would buy this if I had 20 grand. You would buy so whatever you, that watch costs. <laughs> if you yeah, had it you definitely have a lot more than that. So yeah, it's go not, on, get yourself a watch. It's What's not, your net worth? What do, you <laughs> do you have any cash in the bank? Yeah. Okay. And do you have more than a, a, a lower level price watch of cash in the bank? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that currently is going down more than that. Yeah. Because, I mean, if they, they tell the, you inflation the, is 7 or 8%. Last time I came, you didn't have that, did you? No. You get, you, you, 
I know. You need I to bling like it up. I, do you know what? There's, there's a couple of reasons. It's not necessarily the, the affordability thing, because as you said, even if you've got 20 grand to your name, just buy the 10 grand watch. Yeah. There's two things. One is, I think, I don't know, I quite enjoy the fact of I could get one, but I haven't yet. And one day I'll get one, you know, I hit a certain milestone and I'll justify it and it will mean something rather than I'm just getting it for the sake of it. But that could be the next watch. The, the milestone for your first watch could be jumping on the podcast. That's, that's and the, the peer pressure is palpable. You're buying a watch at the end of this episode. I will get a watch probably in the next few months for sure. But knowing that I'm walking around with 20 grand on my wrist, and if that gets stolen or broken or lost, it's, that's really going to piss me off. Well, you can get it insured. And yeah. it, it doesn't cost you a huge amount. I mean, these do. Um, these are hard to get insured. But you, yeah. you can get 20 grand watch insured pretty easily. So you've got that. If you're really worried, do what I do and get a nice swatch. And when you're in London, put the, Switch not a swatch on. swatch, the moon swatch swatch. Mm. I'll, I'll wear the blue one. That's the most rare one. Um, cost me 1,200 quid, something like that. Um, and, and, and do that. You can you can get around that. But um, a, di a, a good rate, a, a good Rolex will go up five to eight a year, five to eight percent. Okay. And that's what it, if they say inflation is eight, then money's going down eight percent, and a Rolex is going up eight percent. And you I can mean, enjoy well, the what's fuck even. Out of it. And I guess to go against myself, you, you can sell that tomorrow if you wanted to, and get if you needed the money and you got the money back. You can sell it. Right. He's instantly. selling himself on the watch. So no, I, do you know what? I actually don't need selling that much because I know I am going to get one. <laughs> it is um, it is on my on my on my list to do, but um, it's good for people to understand maybe the benefits. It's not just, there's more to it than just well, the, the, getting the, it for the sake of it. Uh, what I learned, because I've always liked watches, you could go in, into Amiga or Breitling and you could buy something for eight grand in the window and it's worth four grand in three years. Yeah. Or you can wait a little bit longer and start in a Rolex and you can hold your money. Uh, the ones in the window, not so much, but the sports stuff is held really well. They'll go over, over list, the Daytona. And what, what you'll end up doing probably is you'll just end up trading up and you know, every two or three, like as men, I don't know, but it's, it's quite hard to treat yourself. I don't know, anyone who buys me stuff, they always buy shit. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to buy me. So mm -hmm. I have to buy myself the stuff. Um, I remember my first girlfriend would like buy me neck shirts and like, no, I like McQueen. And, and so, so this is a gift, you know, you yeah. can buy yourself and every three years or, or five years. I, I get that some people don't get it, but hopefully those that don't get it get that it's better to make five to 8% up on a watch than it is five to 8% down on cash in the bank. Cash in the bank is one of the worst places to leave your money. Like people don't realize this, but since lockdown, money's uh, gone down by a third, at least. So if you had a million pounds in the bank, you've actually got 666,000 left. What percentage of your net worth is held in cash in the bank? Jack shit. Less than five? Less than, less than four million pounds. Okay. Is in cash. And I might up that a bit because properties have started to come down and, and I want to hoover up. But no, I mean... You know, I've got company money and I'm try I've got watches and I've got stock market and art and I'm trying to get money out of the bank account without drawing it. So you're buying the watches through the company money? Right. I have to be clear about this. I was, okay. I'll tell you this is an exclusive. Uh, number one, you have to get fucking good advice from a good accountant. Yeah. I do not wear the watches that I own in my company because that's um, a duality of purpose. And they would be like, well, then you, you're just basically getting around the tax. Yeah. So I have some of my watches owned in my company as a company asset stored in a safety deposit box 
all legitimized by my accountant. Could you get away with it if you bought the um, the watch and wore it on a podcast? And then that way, you're, it's part of your costume. Right. So I'll, I'll ask my accountant. He'll mm. probably say that's a bit of a risk you might mm. not want to take. So, I bought this personally just for the tax. Yeah, well, watching, and, yeah. And, and I wear the ones that I own personally. But what I will do sometimes is like, ah, my company's got a watch I want and I'll buy it off it. And then sometimes I'll be like, ah, but I want the one and I'll, I'll sell it mm. and, I'll, and I'll, I'll buy and sell them. So I might sell this to the company at some point and pull a few, a few out of the safe. Now, clothing, again, this is, I probably shouldn't talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. But let, the context must stay in. So um, I always said, why can't I wear uh, clothes? Why can't I put them through the business? Well, because um, there's duality of purpose, this duality of purpose thing. I said, well, what if I only wear it for um, work? Mm. And, 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 and I was told no. And anyway, I went to McQueen and I won't say their names, but there's like quite a few famous people I know shopping McQueen. And I got to the bottom through the, the store managers that they all buy their clothes through the company. They get them bought for mm. them. And I'm like, well, fucking hell, if Graham Norton could do it, I can do it. I might not be him, but I'm going to try. So anyway, I, I said, can you write an invoice in McQueen? They said, yes. And I went to my accountant and said, what do I have to do to not have duality of purpose? And he says, well, it has to be work only. It has to be your brand. And you have to be able to prove it's work only. And he said, I said, how do I do that? And he said, well, if you put a wardrobe in your office, that's a good start. So I have my McQueen clothes. Because some of the McQueen's jackets are like five grand. Because mm -hmm. if I had to pay that after tax, that's 10 grand. So anyway, there's a wardrobe in the office with my McQueen stuff. And I only wear it for work. But I don't have a social life anyway. And when I go out for dinner, it's out for work. I guess the lines are blurred in your profession, right? Well, they are in mine. I th uh, my accountant has, has, has said yes. Like, but the thing is, he didn't come to me with this, mm. but I figured it out and he has said yes. And if he says yes and he's signing his name against it and I've got my tax investigation insurance, which you should all have, by the way, then I'm all right. And if yeah. I'm not all right, the HMRC are going to hear this on a podcast and go, oh, wait a minute, and they're going to tell me otherwise or they're going to change the rules or whatever. So and I've got a decent amount of money in a holding company at the moment. What do you think I should do with it? Should I buy a property? Should I do the watch thing? What's the best move? Right. I, I probably wouldn't. I, you need an accountant to underwrite what you do. Yeah. And what I'm doing is not normal. I'm being creative mm. because what I don't want to do is get a watch, but have to draw 60 grand out, give 30 grand of it to the government. And then, by the way, I don't mind paying my taxes. Mm. I just don't think they're fair. So, um, I mean, here's the irony, right? They'll let you put the money. If you get a, um, I don't know if you've got a Charles Stanley account, get a Charles Stanley account um, or a Vanguard account yeah. in your company and you can invest it into the stock market. Apparently the S&P 500's quite outperformed um, the UK FTSE 100. Yeah. But my business partner's like, yeah, but because the FTSE is underperformed compared to the S&P, he's going to keep dumping into the, the 100. So we put a lot of our company money into the FTSE 100 and the S&P 500. So is that a special uh, company account that you have to yeah. get with Vanguard? Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. You could just get it with, I, I don't think Hargreaves Lansdowne do it hmm. um, but because that's personal, but because that's the one I, I like. But definitely Charles Stanley do. And yeah, you can invest your own company money, which if you think about it, is smarter to put it in the S&P 500 than it is in the bank. So that's a, a fail safe. Yeah. Now, I actually think I can... I think I can beat the market with my watch knowledge. So if, like, if I was challenged, I'd be like, well, I think 
as a as my fiduciary duty to the company is to maximize the money and i think i can buy i think my black Lerat and my tom yorker and my ap's and whatever else i think they're going to do i think they could do eight ten percent a year so i'm acting in the company's best interest but there must not be any duality of purpose i.e if you buy buy anything like that in a company if you buy a piece of art in a company you can't go and hang it on your own wall so I buy art and a story. Um, so Charles Stanley, S and P five hundred, FTSE one hundred. Um, property is great. Yeah, because um, I mean, at the moment, I am literally just leaving it in there, thinking maybe I do property. Maybe I I didn't know about the watch thing, yeah. but maybe I invest it in the S and P five hundred now. Well, I think S and P five hundred and the FTSE one hundred probably probably spread it around a bit. Mm. Um, much better than in the bank. Um, because the bank guarantees are really low. You've probably got way more money in the bank than the, is, is the bank guarantee. And you, it's about and 80 grand in it. It's very low. And, it's, and by the way, the, the people need to listen, it's per group. And people don't understand that RBS own eight different banks. Mm. So I if three of your that. banks are with RBS, it's 80 grand. I thought it's it was not, per account. No. I've got different accounts. No, yeah, like no, no. Lloyd's is RBS, I think. Um, oh. I know for a fact Lloyd's is. Yeah. And Lloyd's. Nat West, yeah. yeah you need to get rid of that money. Yeah, yeah. so you so, put that on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you want to spread that around. Um, you can obviously buy commercial property in your company. And commercial property, um, rents are solid at the moment. So the values are, are quite good. I thought about buying a studio and then renting it to myself. I don't think that's a bad idea to look at. Good accountant, mm. get it structured properly. Um, or, or buying a studio and renting it out to other people, maybe. Um yeah, maybe have different rooms for other people, yeah. and then we can use a room like house hacking, but with a studio. I think that. I mean, I think I think that will blow up in London. We're looking for a studio in London, you know, to make something like this our own because it's in Peterborough, but people don't come there. We need it in London. So yeah, I mean, property's always been good for me. So anyway, you've always branded yourself as the disruptive entrepreneur. What makes you more disruptive than other entrepreneurs? Um, yeah, good question. Um. I like to think, I, I like, you're asking me, so I, I, I don't know. It's for others to judge. But I definitely like to think um, we do things a bit differently. So I remember when we got into property, nothing against anyone in a grey suit and a white shirt who was 25 years older than me, but that's who everyone was. And Mark and I had this spiky hair. We were in our mid-20s. I don't even, Mark had pubes at that point. <laughs> and it's your business partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, we had these stripy shirts. And we were going along, you know, giving it the big one. And it was just fresh. It was, you know, I'm obviously 44 now. So it's harder to do that now than when I was younger. So that I broke the world record for the longest public speech, not once, but twice. No one did that in my industry. I just had a boxing match with a guy 20 kilos heavier than me. No one else has done that in my industry. Mm. And I could, I'm not Uber or Airbnb. You know, they're obviously, they are true disruptors. But I do like to shake things up a bit, yeah, and just be a bit different. I think being disruptive can also be about um, having the courage to be yourself. The amount of shit I get for these shirts, honestly, the shit, the shit people say, bondage, gun holster, <laughs> you know, the lot. But I what my dad was actually saying before you arrived, he's like, oh, I should have got a holster to wear. Yeah. And then I would just whip it out and be like, right, have you got your holster? <laughs> yeah. Where does that feeling of needing to be different or disruptive or fresh, where does that come from? Uh, not being noticed enough as a child is the honest answer. Um, yeah, I was the fat kid at school. Uh, my parents worked a lot, even from when I was like one in the cot. My therapist found this out about me. I spent a lot of time when I was young on my own. Um, and it, it created this deep need to connect with people because I didn't have it. 
And so, you know, I hate it. When I found out about myself in my 20s and 30s, I was like, ugh, you know, I do these things for attention. Oh, I buy cars for attention, I wear clothes for attention. But then I thought, I'm actually not a bad person. I quite like who I am. And everyone wants significance and love. And we all get our attention in some ways. Even people who don't want attention, they get attention in their way that they don't want attention. So I realized I'm no different to anyone else. And so now I've just, I'm just okay with that. I completely admire someone who's a, a two million millionaire, stays under the radar and drives a German BMW. I just know that's not me. So I'm okay with me and I'm okay with them. You'll never see me criticize them. You'll probably see them criticize me. Um, so that's, yeah. That, so naturally I tried to stand out more. And, and, and now it's just who I am. Like the thought of fitting in to me is, I could, no. Are you glad in a way that you had that childhood where you didn't have certain aspects because it's now turned into a positive? Yeah, yeah I think if I'd have had, I mean, look, my parents are great. So this is not me, they did nothing wrong. But if I'd have had, oh, you know, Robbie Rob and lots of love and everything I got, everything I needed, I'd probably be a sport little twat and I'd probably be broke and I'd probably be juvenile and dependent and sponging off someone. Or I could be, because I nearly turned into that when I was in my mid twenties. And I didn't like that about myself. So yeah, that you know, you're, you're, um, if it doesn't break you, it makes you. And I think the key to being successful is finding those things in your past that you're holding on to that you perceive are downsides and turning them into upsides. And you, you meet anyone who's really successful, they've had some shit. And actually sometimes a privileged upbringing is the worst thing to create a hustler. How bad was the bullying at school? Um, I think it, at times it was, I mean, I, I never got like, I had a few little fights, not many. It was mostly verbal. Um, and then I made it twice as bad in my own head. Yeah. I mean, I even remember meeting some of my later school friends and I'd lost a lot of weight and they're like, wow. And they're like, wow, Rob, you've done well. And I was like, oh yeah, do you remember this, this, this? They didn't even remember it. Wow. Yeah, they didn't remember the thing, like I would say the things that they would had said to me. And this was like a, a, an exorcism for me, for them being there. Hey, look at me, I'm not fat now, motherfucker. <laughs> um, you know, I remember when you did this and that and they're like, no, I don't remember yeah. that. So do you look back at them fondly now for bullying? You, yeah. Or do you still, yeah. You do? Yeah, because yeah. It helped you become the person you are now? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And, 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 and like I said, some, look, if you're 12 and you're at school and you're the fattest kid in the year, the easiest thing to do is to call me a fat fuck. So like they had their own problems as well. One of the guys used to wet the bed. One of them is snot used to pour out. You know, fat was just my version. Um, but for me, it gave me exclusion. And inclusion is what I've continually been seeking. But now I try and do it in a way that's useful and useful to other people. There's nothing wrong with wanting to build your own brand. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a lot of followers and make a lot of impact. As long as what you're saying is useful to people. Was there a, a definitive moment when you were like, fuck this, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to lose the weight? Or was it a gradual thing that happened? No, the weight was pretty drastic. So um, I used to cry to my mum every weekend at school, about age 12 or 13, to take me out of the school. And there's two reasons. One, because at that age, when I was 13, so this is 30 years ago, when you went up to senior school, you were going to get decked by the older kids. You were just, you were, uh, and I was scared of the beating. <laughs> They'd been giving us some shit and I didn't want to be the fat kid. And I thought, well, if I can beg my mum to take me out of school, I've got eight weeks because that's the, the, the length of the holiday to lose all the weight and go to a new school as a new person. And I lost all the weight. I lost three stone in eight weeks. And I went to a new school as the same person, but not being fat anymore. 
So it was surprising to me because I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought I'd be confident. And I thought, you know, and, and like, I'm the same guy. I'm just not fat. Did you um, still get bullied? No. 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 And I actually like got girls and stuff. So like, you know, if anyone's a bit overweight, get in, get in the fucking gym. It, you know, it worked for me. It, it, it was the best thing for me. Um, but inside... The need to be, you know, loved and noticed and people please and conflict avoid. Cause I had to unlearn all those things in business. You can't do all that in business and succeed. Now that was still there. I still feel it come out a bit every now and again. Like I go to, I go on the street and ask people questions. Still a bit like I'm like, how many custard pies am I going to have to take in the face of people not wanting to, you know, like it doesn't matter, does it? But I feel you're, like you're a thirteen-year-old boy. Public um, shooting, aren't you? You like it? Yeah. Or don't like no, it. I don't like it. it. Yeah. Like, I just, when we're filming anything with dad, he just he can't watch. He has to go somewhere else. Yeah, like he finds it so. Sometimes I'll, I'll even just turn around. You know, like yeah. sometimes that can be enough. But um, what yeah. is it? What is it that makes you have it's that reaction? It's just like you know, if you have to, if it was like we were just doing something like kind of funny and like we're just like rolling with it, then like, that's okay, cool, whatever. But it's like when you deliver a line and it's not quite right and then you have to do it again and then it's not quite right and then maybe you have to do it again and it's oh fucking hell, you know we're in public <laughs> and this is taking three attempts now it's like come yeah. on now like get it together so i think that's what i don't like but something i was going to ask is we've spoke a lot about business and money so i think it's important to define like what you actually do and how you make your millions yeah so um, i started in property in 2006 and i bought 20 properties in that year whilst I had a part-time, no, I had a full-time job selling properties to other people in a property company. And on the side, as the side hustle, my business partner and I, we started buying properties together. He funded them. I was the hustle. He was the money. Um, so we bought 20 in that year. Then we started Progressive Property on our own. The next year we bought another 30. We have 340 now. And we have the Progressive Let's, which has 1,350 tenants. Um, and then once I started to feel like I knew a bit about property, I wrote a book, which did well in the property world. Um, and then we set up, started the training business. And that, that's, I'm hoping that will do 25 million this year. I think it's more realistic. It will do 23 in sales. Um, and, and that's sort of the little cash machine bit. And then what we do often is take all that money and just dump it into property and dump it into property. And is that a 50-50 joint venture? Yeah, everything everything someone paid me crypto today and i said to mark what's your wallet address i give him half whenever we get book royalties i give him half but he manages i mean we did a 99 apartment block 20 i think he just got it valued at 22 million in at 12 so good and um yeah i've got half of that what's the key to a good partnership though because i always hear that saying like the worst ship to sell is a partnership because something the always said goes that? wrong. Well, it's actually his old boss. Yeah, and, and how successful is your old boss? <laughs> so how funny. many millions is he I, I was literally <laughs> just about to say that, but I have heard it a few times, but it doesn't come from a very wise no. man. So your dad, one of his biggest regrets is he didn't have a, a partner earlier who had more risk um, threshold because he says he's quite risk averse. We just... I, I don't know how dad would have dealt with a partner. Maybe if he had one a bit sooner, he would have been a bit different. But even working in a partnership with my dad now, it is hard. Like if we weren't um, family, I don't think it would have lasted. This well, time. that's interesting. Um, mm. Look, I've, I, I've had I've one shoot, one score with a business partner and it's been 17 years. And to me, the secret is someone with a similar vision, but different skills. And so working with your dad, 
you, you know, you're, you're a very generation apart and that might be vision difference mm. in terms of what kind of content. So that, that might be a conflict. Yeah. Because skills marry up perfectly. Yeah, you're Obviously, very me different. me on the video side, yeah. dad on the knowledge side, it does work very yeah. well. But yeah, the generational difference might be where we're having a few arguments. I mean, it's fine because we're family and we, we get around it. But yeah. I'm thinking if we weren't family, we might have been like, well, at this point. Perhaps that's a positive as well, though, because yeah. you're getting two very different perspectives that you can almost marry together and, and weigh up. Yeah. Someone has to make that final decision, of course, but it gives you, mm, I didn't think about it that way. You know, well, it's working, yeah. clearly. Yeah. I mean, no business partnership is easy. And, you know, there'll be things about your business partner that you would want to change. But if you think about it, if you want to change them, you're with the wrong person. Because you, whatever you want them to change is you. So with my business partner, I, I used to try and change him a bit, try and get him to be a bit more exciting. He used to try and change me a bit, try and get me to be a bit more careful with my money, and especially as he has half of it. And we stopped doing that now. We don't try and change each other. We're very compartmentalized. He's over there managing the property empire. I'm over here doing the, co oh, he hates content. He'd never do anything like this. Mm. He hates it. He, if he, do you know if he heard me talk about all this account and stuff, he would squirt. I'm, I'm banking on him not hearing this. <laughs> and if he hears this, he's going to tell me off. He's going to tell me, don't just don't answer the question. Yeah, it's right, move on next. But I'm not like him. Um, so we're very different, but, we have, but we're similar age. Yeah. We have a similar vision. We both love property. We both love business. I mean, he's technical, analytical. He's brilliant with legal. Um, no one's ever going to do it. And we have won every legal case we've ever had because of him. If it was me, we'd have lost them all. <laughs> you um, said too much online and then it would have come back. Oh, I just you. fucked myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, but yeah. And Mark, yeah, he's, he's brilliant technically. Uh, and I'm better strategically. Yeah. Do you think it can work if you both have similar skills and then you outsource the other skills that you're missing? Or is that just doomed from the start? I don't think it's doomed if you're really vested in it together, but you've got to know where you're overlapping and somehow not overlap. Because if two of you do the same thing, one of you isn't needed. I think opposing skill set is the best, ideally. Similar vision, opposing skill set. If not that, if you have similar skills, similar vision and higher opposing skill sets in the business. It can work, it just doesn't usually. If you do have disagreements, how do you navigate that? So we've both learned, my business partner and I, um, because when we used to first have them, I'd be like, well, you're late. And he's like, yeah, because it's shit working with you. Fuck off. And he'd walk out and they wouldn't see him for three days. And like, we didn't really know how to handle each other. Um, but now I've, I know every tell on Mark's face. And if I can see a certain part of his face move, I'm like, right, he's triggered here. I uh, need I, to learn every tell on Mark's face as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is good to learn because I actually think a good partner is someone who makes an effort to be a good partner rather than tell you to be a good partner. And I try and be that with my business partner. And I know he, try, he tries to do job, his job well. I try and do my job well. But I, like, if you think about it, there's no point in arguing for the sake of it. And if you're going to agree, it should be over big, important things, not over bollocks. Um, and so we've learned over the years, we've probably had two or three major disagreements and they were over big things that warranted, you know, the, the, um, the heated disagreements. Generally, if he feels it more than me, I'll, let, I'll go with him. If I feel it strongly, he'll go with me. If it's more his area, I'll just be a sounding board. Um, but, but my goal is to let my business partner express himself and say what he needs to say. And it feels safe to do that and it not him not feel threatened. And I can take 
responsibility for that. Um, it's funny because my business partner speaks to people like he's your old fucking headmaster. And it's like, you, you, this is your expense form. It's a bit high. We need to get this down. You, you haven't dated it. You haven't checked. And, and, and like, did you understand what I just said? <laughs> even when we first, when we, like we got loads of credit cards yeah. as you get them. And he even put P for the personal ones and B for the business ones I've on done the back. That as well. Yeah. And, like, and he's doing all this yeah. shit for me. And, and I think, you're yeah, so fucking patronizing you are. <laughs> like my old headmaster. But he doesn't know my old headmaster. But in his model of the world, he's like, well, you don't know the difference and you're not getting it right. And I'm only helping you. So I, tr I try and see it more from his point of view now. He has to deal with all my insurances. I crashed a, crashed a 200 grand Ferrari and he had to deal with the repair, 105 grand. It's to sure, I, I'm always the one crashing, speeding fines, insurances, <laughs> all that. And he has to deal with all that. And, and you know, and that's chaos. But I'm out there in, in the public domain, which he hates. So he gets that benefit. So we're talking about accidents there. What's the biggest financial mistake you feel like you've made in your whole career? Yeah, I mean, crashing a 200 grand Ferrari and having a 105 grand repair bill and being on the world's most expensive crashes website is my work. Really? Yeah, here's, some, here's something. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I am, an achievement, I if anything, yeah, to, yeah, to I, have I made the website. It, I crashed it into News International Building, you know, where the sun and the mail and the mirror are in Peterborough. And within two minutes, the um, all the and reporters were over and they'd got a story. They, they made me look like such a twat. They were like, millionaire crashes five Dale Ferrari, but it's all right because his other car is a Porsche. And like, the hate, the hate comments, like, wanker got a Ferrari, can't even, honestly, there was, on, on, was on, all publicity good it's publicity? Marketing. Yeah, this was good. This yeah. was quite good, really. I mean, not all public. Ask Jeffrey Epstein if all publicity is good publicity. Mm. I, I don't agree that all publicity is good publicity. Um, but as long as it's not really damaging, it's probably not really that much of an issue. So I'm really proud to say we've never lost any money. We've never lost investor money. We've never lost company money. We're probably, you know, made some a few duff marketing-based spend decisions. Maybe we've hired some staff that didn't turn out that well. But, we, you know, touch wood, no real major... I know it makes for a better story if someone lost 20 billion. But we're quite... I don't really like being flippant about money. I like talking about it and I want everyone to feel safe and comfortable to go and make it. But I'm very careful with money and my money and especially other people's money. And like in America, it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, that's the, that's the game. Oh, unlucky. You lost 10 million with me, unlucky. Oh, I need another 10 million. I, I can't get my head around that. Do you feel like average entrepreneurs do much better than they would over here in America? Because when we went over there, we felt like lots of these people making lots of money aren't actually that smart. From the surface, it looked right. that way. Interesting. Well, the first thing I think is, I think it really depends on the state. Because some states like um, Texas have really becoming a hotbed with low state taxes. And, you know, on the West, which it used to always be, we're going there to interview Will I Am. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are moving away from the, from the West now. So I think it, it depends where you are. I, I haven't, I, I've only been to America a few times. And I've got, I, I've actually... There's research from my book. I want to, I've asked my friend who's moved to America and he loves it there. You know, what is the fundamental difference between the Brits and the Americans? You know, are we grumpy and skeptical and um, tall, tall poppy syndrome and all that? You know, it may, maybe you don't have to be as smart in America to be successful. I think it may be because there's a bigger market there available. Well, you don't have to a be lot more good. people, a lot bigger exactly. economy. 
I mean, all, all the creators and influencers in America, all the mentors I've had in America. So yeah, you're in a better marketplace for and sure. And it, it even just seems like American brands will like throw more money for sponsorships. You know, UK companies sure. that we deal with have much budgets. Oh, they're harder, budgets. are they? As in like- UK companies. Yeah, yeah, much, yeah, yeah. much they, more they difficult. They pay a lot yeah. less yeah. because the market's not there, is it? Yeah. So it, it makes sense. So just in every aspect, it just seems like it's just easier. Yeah, I sometimes think, um, you know, with how long I've been doing it and my relative size here, uh, instead of being 23, 25 in sales, we'd probably be 150 US million and, there. Because I mean, that's what Grant is. Yeah. And you know, I've been doing it nearly as long as him. And there'd be no reason why we couldn't have been at that kind of level. And I was literally just about to ask you that, like how big is this property training market? Because when you say 23 million, I find that quite staggering in itself that in the UK, you can turn over that. And in not only are you turning over that, you've obviously got competitors like the the person that you fought, Samuel Leeds. He's obviously doing the similar thing and, and turning over money as well. So how far can that go? Um, well, I know it can go as far as our best ever year. Can it, can it for one company go further than our best ever year if we are the biggest? I don't know. What percentage of the market do you think you have at the moment? I don't know. I'd love to know. And I've always tried to figure that out, but you just can't get to the bottom of it. It's very difficult. What's it going to look like in five, 10 years time? Well, it's either going to look like sold, give me a load of money, thanks. What would um, it take for you to sell your business though in, in terms of, of money though? Fuck you money and the right person to sell it to. What's fuck you money? <laughs> uh, my accountant, my wife and my lawyer. Um, what's what I think is fair for my company is 10 times profit any less piss off I don't need the money I got loads of benefits wrapped up in my companies in my lettings company it charges my own properties 5% if some company came in and sliced and diced it they're going to kick us out and charge us 12.5% so I've got loads of cars in an LLP I got so much benefit um but, you know, someone like Grant or someone like Russell Brunson, we'd be perfect for them. That, that, that we're already made purchase for them. I've never talked to them about it. And, and I'm not really thinking about that. That's, you know, you were asking what's the future. But because what I'd probably do, honestly, I'd probably dump all that into content and building my brand. Like if I, you know, if I took 35, 40 mil, 50 mil, I don't know, whatever. Um, we'll see what the multipliers are. You can You could make a really big brand with that. Because I don't really need the money for myself. And my wife wants a new house because, of course, seven bedrooms is not enough. No, of course not. Um, but, you know, maybe I'll push the ceiling until the ceiling is there. Maybe I'll take it over to America. Because in five... Yeah, would, you, would you ever think about acquiring a business in America that maybe isn't at Grant's level, but has some kind of presence there that they yeah, need maybe. to build out? Yeah, maybe. And I'm talking to some people in America. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I, I think if... if like we were, we were near where we are now pre-lockdown. Then lockdown happened, and it just changed the game. And I've, I guess the first thing I've got to think is, where's the new ceiling post-lockdown? Because that's like if you're playing snakes and ladders, that was a ninety-five square snake lockdown was, and we're probably back up to about square seventy-five, eighty, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I mean, we've got a business training company as well, and that does quite well. But that could be a lot bigger. Um, yeah, and I like not having everything figured out because then it's exciting. Mm. Mm. 
So bringing it back to the viewers quickly, if someone wanted to start a side hustle or go into business now, what would your piece of advice be to them? Tell them to do what you boys do. You do know, some content. Yeah, if they're following you. So obviously you've asked a question on your show, which means they're following you. And if they're in your comments going, nah, 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 instead of actually starting their own content, then, you know, like, I don't want to sound like an old bastard, but it was manual labor when I started work you had to build shit like your dad built this table yeah he was a carpenter <laughs> yeah there you go mm. and and now you can i mean you don't even you've got great equipment but you don't even need that you need a laptop a phone and you can build a following on tiktok and instagram and facebook and youtube and um maybe get a few brand deals or maybe start turning on monetization when it's right i mean you want to give value up front first would, would you do that to to make money first and then roll it into something else? Would it be the cash generator? Or do you see that as more as a long-term business? Because we see so many people get into YouTube and then they're stuck in the content treadmill. Oh, I've got to make this video next, this video. And lots of them are trying to become entrepreneurs because they don't want to do YouTube anymore or content creation. Well, that kind of sucks because, um, you know, let, let's be honest, in r ranking fun jobs, doing videos and talking about yourself has got to rank up there. So it kind of sucks. It, it, I'd say to anyone, if they're trying to you do YouTube and they're feeling a bit on the grind, every business is hard. Take a look at yourself. You've got probably a potentially good business there. Just, you know, look at the analytics more. Copy the influencers you like without ripping them off and just try and make every video a bit different. I think there's two ways to do it. I think way number one is start some other business and plow the money into content mm. or make content your business. Um, obviously making content your business is a bit different it, in an ideal world we'd all have five years making content for free and then we turn on the cash button five years down the line and it would be millions because you yeah. built up the following you know like your dad with, did with how tiktok built everything mm -hmm. and your dad's very patient and he doesn't mind giving a load of free content if you're 21 maybe you need need to be a little bit less patient but content's where it's at. So your content is successful because of what you did beforehand. Mark's content is successful because of what he did beforehand. People watch the podcast, I would like to think, because of what we did beforehand. So if you just go straight into the content, what is your USP and why would people watch you? Very good question. You have to have something useful to talk about. But we've all got something useful to talk about. I would argue that some people don't. Though. Yeah, we know some people that certainly don't. You don't have to teach something. So you could be have a, a massive interest in Pokemon, right? So you can talk about Pokemon. You could have an interest in yep. skipping. So you can make skipping videos. Yes. So it's not about have I got something to teach someone, but whatever you're interested in, talk about it and make content about it, even for entertainment purposes. And there's a market. Yeah, it everything. depends on the industry. Like if yeah. you're talking about Pokemon, then of course, yes, that's much. And name an industry that you can't, you could be a garden garden expert uh, and to make be fair, millions. I guess I'm looking at it like it just seems like everybody th these days wants to be like an entrepreneur and everybody yeah. seems to be making self-help self content. That is your myopia yeah that's the true. space that you're in because mm. i bet if you walk down the high street in peterborough that they wouldn't even know what one is i try to avoid going there yeah, yeah. a lot of my friends now, this is why you dragged me down to your place <laughs> yeah Look, do you think content's going to be able to make money for years to come because so many people are wanting to become youtubers like we've said are there going to be enough brand deals to go around because surely that pot isn't going to increase that much more well i don't look at life like that I think, is the pot big enough for me and am I good enough to get my slice of the pot? And everyone yeah, else... more competitive. Yeah, everyone else in the pot or Mr. Average, you know, 
good luck to them and I'll help them if they want it. But any market I go into, there's enough for me. So every market is competitive. I mean, if you if you were interviewing a billionaire in insurance, that's way more a competitive industry and a closed shop. You can't get in insurance very easily. You can get into content really easily. I think where we can meet in what we're talking about is be passionate about something or have some knowledge about something or be interesting and different. Because there's some people who are quite, like there's a lot of people go asking rich people how much they earn or going in and say, asking people what car they drive. They may know nothing. They might just be interested in that. And in the end, I mean, you guys have grown very quickly in a very short period of time. I've been doing it a little bit longer, but I think my mistake was I was too much on the how-to content for too long and I realise you've got to entertain people as well as educate people. And so, so how to grow your audience, but then you need videos to, you know, retain the audience that you already have. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, I had a loyal following, but we couldn't get it to pop off because I just thought, um, I want to teach people useful shit. Yeah, I get that. And the only stuff that they would engage with was my vacuous, gimmicky nonce. Not, it's not, but that's how no, I would I can see it. And I, I felt quite dirty. So you, there's got to be some authenticity there. You know, like you said, your, your dad and myself have been in business a long time. But at the same time, I, you know, I like to learn from the young guys as well. You guys have done well in a quick time. And you've got Jake and Logan Paul who are, you know, younger than me and, and they've done really well. So I think if you balance, you start your content, you're probably not going to end up where you start. You start doing what you do, you evolve. And then you, when you find these things that work for you and you can find your own style, then you double down on it. And sometimes finding your own style can take time. How I mean, a load of people copied your dad, didn't they? With, yes. Yeah. You know, but like he found that style and it would have taken him some testing and doing some flopper videos before you got your first viral one. Yeah, 100%. So how important do you think uh, starting those other businesses like, for example, KSI, Logan Paul, they've got Prime. Um, you've got Mr. Beast with Feastables and Mr. Beast Burger. I'm not sure if he's doing that anymore. Um, but how important do you think starting those businesses will be compared to um, just getting the brand deals and earning money that way? I think you've got to want to be an entrepreneur and a business person to start your own companies and brands like Prime. Yeah. and Mr. Beast Burger. Now, I understand there's some legal issues and bullshit with Mr. Beast Burger, and that'll be a lesson for him. I think the guy's great. I'd love to interview him. But he's still young, and he's, he's you know, that, that, that might end up being a, a bit difficult for him. Um, I think, importantly, like, I would never sell Prime because I think it's shit. I would, you know, even if I could become a billionaire, I would never um, have a gambling company because I wouldn't, I think that that's wrong. People could say, oh, well, yeah, but you teach stuff and charge people tens of thousands. They could just go on YouTube for free. So I understand another person's point of view. So I think if you there's a business you're really passionate about that you can kick off off of your fan base. And to be fair, um, Logan Paul and KSI, they seem to be enjoying it. I mean, they're, they're great marketers. Um, I don't know how much they get involved in actually making that drink. Yeah, um, and probably they have no involvement. Well, they, just, they, there you go. They're just brilliant, yeah. brilliant marketers. But... Um, if you're going to start your own business, do something you enjoy. And if there's not, then cut some brand deals. Is it possible for anyone to be an entrepreneur? No. And how do you distinguish someone that should be an entrepreneur and sh someone that should probably accept that they're not? Um, if you're so risk averse that you just can't get your head round 
your, your mortgage payments and your kids and your car loans. If you, you see, I don't like authority. And I don't like being told what to do, but a lot of people, they just want to be told what to do. And they like, they like that. And I respect those people. In some ways, life's a lot easier like that. So those kind of people, I'm not trying to convince those kind of people to be entrepreneurs, even though, and also like my friend and your friend, Simon Squibb, he's going in, he's going into shops <laughs> yeah. where if he came into my shop and says, do you want to be an entrepreneur? I'd tend to fuck off. And he's but he going, has been getting told to fuck good, off though. Good. And I love him. I mean, it's amazing content though. Isn't yeah, it? it is funny. I like yeah. watching. Is that dangerous though, in your opinion, that he's, you know, bringing people that maybe aren't cut out for it <laughs> and, su- and, and suggesting that you should yeah. quit your job right now and yeah. give it a go. Yeah, I think it's careless. And, and like, he doesn't know these people. And he could be trying to pull someone out of the job. Oh, here's 200 quid. Start your dream. <laughs> no, like he's my friend. All right. And, and I, I, would, I would say this to his face. Um, yeah. But, really and, 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 well. and his content's really good. And he's got a good heart. But if you came into my office and tried to tell all my start stuff to leave to start their dream, here's 200 quid. You can fuck It's off. the 200 quid bit. This <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, he has given a bit more in some other videos, which I think is nice. And I think that's the direction he's probably Yeah, yeah but the, pro- the problem is you give, give the wrong person money. It's not actually what they need. But, you know, of course, he's trying to do the education as well. He's not, you know, and he's good at, good at the social media. Um, so, you know, not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. I, I will help and talk to anyone who wants to be one. I won't go and put, like, I was interviewed today by a headhunter. I was like, if you phone my office trying to headhunt my stuff, I'll tell you to fuck off. Uh, oh, no, well, if, if, I think it's fine. And, you know, if they don't want to talk to me, they don't want to talk to me. And if they're happy in their job, they're happy in their job. No, they might have been happy in their job. And you filled their head full of shit. And now they're leaving. Because a lot of people leave my company and they come back. Really? Because someone filled their head full of shit. And you let them come back, though. Well, it depends. I don't always, but some, but sometimes I do. And I'm talking to two at the moment who want to come back because one crypto company filled some guy's head full of shit. And some guys are, oh, I can work one day a week and go to London one day a week and work from home. So, yeah, no, no, not everyone can be an, an entrepreneur. Some people, it's not right for them. But if you're a rebel, a mover, shaker, game shaker, change maker. You want autonomy, freedom. You want big money. Then you can only be an entrepreneur. Just depends what you want. I guess most people listening to you, they want to be an entrepreneur. Start with the side hustle and build it up. I think that's a brilliant point to end it on. Thank you very much for coming Pleasure. on the show. It's been absolutely fantastic. All right. Thanks one. a lot. Thank you very much. If you Cheers. guys enjoyed, make sure to smash that thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel. We'll catch you in the next one. Also like the video as well. All right, bye. <laughs>